Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good to see everybody, and it's good to be with those folks online uh, this evening. And but uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and open in prayer, and then we're gonna dive in. <clears throat> Father, uh, th- this evening as we uh, get ready to open up Your Word, um, I pray that um, You would allow truth to speak. Um, you, no matter what our hearts try to tell us, we should believe. Would you let truth rule within us? Let our minds be um, open, our eyes, our ears, that we might receive what your word says, and that we might let your word change who we are. This whole idea of sanctification, I pray that you would do, do that work in our lives tonight with your with your word for those that are sick um, and those that are uh, homebound right now those that are in the hospitals um, extended families and uh, everybody that we come in contact with that is affiliated with our church family and even as it spreads on out throughout this world I pray that you would um, you would provide them grace and strengthen their bodies um, we just thank you, God, for the opportunity to um, to lift them in prayer, uh, and just ask you, God, that you would continue to grow us as a as a as a group of believers, as members of the household of faith. Would you continue to grow us? And Lord, if there's as always, if there's anyone that does not know Christ as their Savior, they're they're not saved. Would you please, God, by your um, just amazing grace, God. Would you save them before it's too late, God? And we give you the glory in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me. If you've got your Bibles, you've got a phone, you've got an uh, electronic device that you can get uh, some Scripture pulled up. I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 John. We're going to go to, we'll go to several chapters uh, in the Bible tonight, or several different places in the Bible, but pri- well, primarily we'll, we'll be in 1 John, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and that's kind of, and, and, and in a little bit maybe in the Gospel of John, but that's pretty much where, where we'll be. And what I want to do is, um, I'm going to go ahead and read the first three verses of 1 John chapter 5. And then 
I want to introduce a, a, a topic to you that I think will be a, a great topic tonight. So in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves Him, who begot also loves Him who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Uh, I want to read that uh, last verse one more time. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. I like watching how society around me and how I in my own personal life uh, how we react to things and how we see things and so I pick up a lot of times I, it's not that I let society drive my preaching but I do want at times to answer questions and concerns that are going on in, in the world that we live in you know, it's amazing when you watch and you see on social media just how many opinions about things you can have, you know. And it's a great place to kind of watch. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm the only person. I don't, spend a lot, I don't spend a ton of time on social media, but I do like to watch the comments. You can post whatever you want to. I like to watch what people are responding. I'm one of those guys that'll put a little dot or something there or something just so I can get the updates uh, as to what's going on. Some kind of good controversial something, I'll put a little period or something there. That way, anytime anybody updates a little something, I'll get, the, I'll get the notification to it. Something I know that has gone on in our world, and, but also is, seems to get be growing more and more, is... In the whole idea of church life, we hear words like, uh, I want a place where I won't be judged. Y'all ever heard that? You maybe even thought those things. I want a place where I can come and I won't be judged. That nobody's going to be pointing a finger at me and nobody's going to be judging me. And I think about those things because I read a, I read a comment and somebody said, please come visit our church. It is a completely judgmental free place and our pastor preaches the Bible. And I thought to myself, I was like, hmm. I said, can you preach the Bible and have an environment where there is no judgment? And I was like, that's a good question, I think. Because if we want an environment or a place where there is no judgment, can you take this book and preach this book rightly and not have judgment? I think it's a good question. I'm going to try to, as, as, I'm going to try to not necessarily discreetly, but I'm going to try to, to work with this topic a little bit tonight. And so here's my title for tonight. Rules or Relationship? Rules or Relationship? Because a lot of people go, I don't want nothing to do with church because there ain't nothing, just a bunch of rules. You've heard that before probably too, right? But then you've also heard, hey, I want a relationship with God, right? And I think that, well, I don't think I know that the best thing for us as Christians is to just let God's Word 
speak for itself. Now I want to read those three verses one more time. Now that you kind of know my, my opening thought here. Listen one more time, verses 1, 2, and 3. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And we know, and I'm going to kind of walk, walk down through here, we know that he told Nicodemus, right, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, Nicodemus didn't necessarily ask that question, but that's what he was coming for. He sought out Jesus by night. Jesus said, Nicodemus, because Nicodemus said, truly you are a teacher come from God. For nobody could do the things that you do unless they were sent by God. And Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, I tell you right now, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. And here it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves, uh, loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So if you love him, you love Christ, you love the the, the, the children of God. Because then verse 2 it says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. It didn't just say that if you love others, it means that you love God. But you also love Him and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Okay? So when, when we think about this, how many of y'all ever, has anybody ever been to Planet Fitness? Got anybody? I went in and joined one time, and we paid dues for a year. That was my only experience there. I didn't, I ain't gonna sit here and say I worked out. It's pretty obvious I didn't, but we did go into Planet Fitness one time. And I remember some things about their commercials, and I remember some things that I've seen in there. The judgment-free zone, right? Any of y'all know about the judgment-free? That means that the judgment-free zone means that there's nobody going to be shirtless in front of a mirror going, Roar! you know, flexing their muscles and doing all that stuff. Nobody's allowed to make a loud noises and grunt and grow on and cheer and high-five and do all that stuff while they're lifting out because they don't want to make us fat people feel out of place. It's judgment-free. I want to ask you a question in that though. So is it truly judgment free? Because come on, why is it not judgment free? Because I mean, we got to make all the people that are not doing that feel like they're not being judged, right? But what about the people that are doing, they are buff. Are you in actuality judging those people? Does that not sound a lot like the world we live in? Think about it. The whole critical race thing, cancel culture, and all this stuff, you want to shut down one thing because it's, it's wrong. It's judging things a certain way that shouldn't be judged, but then you're judging those people. If I'm thinking right, y'all help me out. So then when we come and think about this whole idea of getting along in the church house and God and our us and our relationship with, with Him, it brings up some great questions. Here's a question that I'm not just going to jump out and answer, but here's a question that we, we can go into, which is a great question I got from a close theologian friend of mine. Is it a relationship 
or is it rules? Is it a relationship or is it rules? And then I come back and I go, you know what? That's a great thought. And here's a question to come against that, come with that thought. Can you have a relationship without rules? Is it possible in this world we live in to have a relationship, whether it's with the, the butcher, whether it's with the barber, whether it's with the grocery store workers or the grocery store that you go to, the gas station, the church house, the workplace, can you have at your house with your spouse and your kids, can you have a relationship without rules? Because if the ultimate goal here is we just want to be somewhere where we're not judged. And I want you to come, come walk along with me into a couple of thoughts. We love God. We love others. Then the question comes, how do we know that we love God? Well, it answers it pretty clearly in this text, right? Come on, help me, church. I mean, and, and y'all online, I'll make sure you get the answer to the, to the question. But, but how do we know that we love God? Right in these three verses. Come on, somebody help me. We obey His commands. That's right. We do what He says. Yeah, we, we, we obey His commands. Yeah, but I, see, I thought God did away with all that stuff. Yeah, I thought God did away with all, all these rules and all these regulations. In Christ, I'm free, and you are free. We are free. Let's go through some, some scriptures. And, and I, I, like I say, I want to let the Bible kind of speak for itself here. So Romans chapter 6. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. I want you to listen to verses 1 through 14, Romans chapter 6. Because this is very important. I, I think this is extremely important. This is the problem today, right? But it's been the problem for a long time. But, it's, but it is, and it's going to be a growing problem. As you find your place, Romans chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. But I want you to hear me. And I want you to hear my heart. Good. I want you to hear the Scriptures. And I want, I want to try to keep me out of it. Because in, in, in the culture that we're living in today, it is becoming more and more prevalent that you've got to cancel out something that you don't like. You got to, it's got to be done away with. That's why they call it cancel culture. Cancel out. If you are a certain way or a certain ethnicity or a certain whatever, you're gonna, we got to cancel it out. we got to do away with it. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ also was, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now I want to pause there for just a moment. You get the picture here. That as Christians, we have been united together with Jesus Christ, right? As a matter of fact, there was a song about it. Y'all remember? Some of y'all might remember. We are united in Jesus Christ. You know, and they, this song, that's, that's what we are. We are united together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We always say that, don't we? We are, a, we are in a relationship with Him. He wants a relationship with us, right? 
And so we're united together with Him. We have been born again. We have been changed. It told us just again in this text, therefore you buried with Him through uh, the baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead, verse 4. Um, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. Okay? So this is a new relationship that God has brought together for us to be in, right? If you're saved, you're not your old way, you're new. And I'm just taking the Christian life, and we're just looking at the Christian life, but we're going to apply the same principles to every area of life here in just a moment. But So we're changed. I'm not trying to drive home, uh, just beat, the, beat a dead horse, but I want you to agree. I want to know if you agree with me, because if you don't agree with me, that's cool. Let's, let's, let's converse. If you're saved, are you a new creature? Biblically speaking, are we new? We're changed. You got to be. You must be born again, buried in his death, raised to newness of life in his resurrection. All right, so verse 5 again. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with. And we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him." Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. You know what that sounds like to me? I'm just going to be honest with you. It sounds like when I got married. It does. Be a little transparent here. Not too transparent, but be a little transparent here. I had some t-shirts when I got married that I had accumulated over the years before I got married. They were t-shirts from places that I had been that probably were not great. Well, ain't no problem. They were not great places to go. Right? And I came home one day, went to the closet, because we moved in together, right? Got married, started, we got us a little place to live, and we moved in, brought my clothes in, she brought her clothes in, there we were. I come home one day and I'm going in the closet. My t-shirts are gone. I had the audacity to go ask where them t-shirts went. She said, you don't need to be asking where them t-shirts is at. Why? That old man's dead. He's not allowed in this relationship no more. Right? Let's, let's go a little further. Matthew 5, 17, 18, and 19. We'll get back over to Romans. You can hold your finger in there for just, just a moment if you want to, but we'll, we'll get back over to 1 John and Romans. Uh, but Matthew chapter 5, 
17, 18, and 19. Wait a minute. Chapter 5, 17, 18, and 19. Yeah, there it is. Matthew 5. He says, verse 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Teaches and observes what? Help me, church. The law. I'm going to read this one more time for you. Okay? So he says, this is Jesus. I don't know, y'all got some red letters out there? This is Jesus speaking. Everybody can complain and they're going, well, that's Paul. That's No, no, this is written in red. This is the grand poopah of the club. This is Jesus Christ here speaking. And he says, do not think, verse 17, I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, not even the smallest stroke of the pen. That's what it literally means. Not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. What is he talking about all is fulfilled? Until we all come to the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? Until we die. Until we get home. Why? Well, you don't need the law when you don't have lawbreakers. Does that make sense? If we didn't have lawbreakers, we wouldn't need laws. As a matter of fact, some of those old guys in NASCAR are the reasons you have a rule book for NASCAR. There were not a lot of rules when they started. But as they progressed along, people would come up with ways to beat other people. And they, oh, we got to write a rule for this. Can't do this. You can't do that. You can't put fuel inside your roll cage to have a little extra. You can't do, you know. <clears throat> and so the car's got to be a certain weight. The, the engine's got to be a certain cubic inch. And they start, every time somebody comes up with a new way to win, Gotta, we got to keep things under control so they would come up with new laws. The difference between us and God is that God's the one that built not only the car, but God built the racetrack. He built us and the environment that we live in. He knows us. And so he starts off the bat and says, here it is. But now once we are perfected, no need for no law no more, right? No more rules. Why? Because we're not rule breakers no more. For I surely I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away. I just want to read it and make sure we get it. And I want to get it for myself too. I really do. Not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore, this is what he says, verse 9, whoever therefore breaks one of the least. Now this is in the New Testament. Y'all with me? A lot of people say, oh, that's the, the, the laws, that's the Old Testament stuff. Last time I checked, Matthew was in the New Testament. 
Last time I checked, Jesus did not come born of the Virgin Mary until in the New Testament. We set our dates by it. Before Christ, and so forth. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so. And I love how he puts that in there because we are accountable for what we tell other people. You're accountable for what you tell your children, your grandchildren. You're accountable for what you teach in a Sunday school class. You're accountable for what you tell another member of the body of Christ. I'm accountable for what I say when I stand up here in this, on this platform. I'm accountable for what I tell you in a, Sunday, in a classroom. We are all accountable for what we say. And he says, I'm telling you, if you break just a little one and teach other people to do so, in other words, if you get the idea, it's not only, it's not just so much that you're breaking the law, because all of us, you know what I'm saying, we all are guilty, right? But do you understand the thought process behind this? If you're going to teach somebody to do this, too, it's at the very core of your being. You didn't just make a, a mishap. No, this is something you philosophically believe. This is something you doctrinally believe in. So, I mean, if you're going to teach somebody something, then this is something, this is at the very core of who you are. And he's, so he's saying, if that's you, if that tells who you are, then you will be least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, now let's just take a pastor, for instance. If a pastor does not teach this stuff, exactly like it should be taught, then he is least in the kingdom of heaven. And if, but, if you, but if you do teach it, and you, you do lead people in it, then you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. And, and for folks that's watching online and folk, our folks here, you know, next, you know when, when you see people or talk to people talking about, and I'm not trying to, promote our church there are plenty of churches that preach the book rightly but you hear people going and i tell you i just don't want to go somewhere where they preach all that judgment stuff i just want them to preach the bible and and, and in love i'll submit this if they don't tell you the truth, they don't love you. They're just hirelings. They crawled in by some other way into the sheepfold. God, Christ did not bring them into the sheepfold to, to be under shepherds. They come in by some other means. And, and, and the Bible says that a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. In other words, that he, whatever they, that a Sunday school teacher, that a father, that, that, a, that, that a, a, a deacon, an elder, a, a, anybody leading out. And I mean, I mean that could be any, we could, it, we're all accountable to this, but I'm just trying to tell you that no matter whether the, you like them after they tell you the truth or whether you don't like them after they tell the truth, they're still going to tell the truth. It's heartbreaking to watch people walk away. 
It is. It is absolutely heartbreaking to watch people walk out that door. It is heartbreaking to, to watch people sever relationships. And it's heartbreaking to watch people try to drag other people away. And every pastor of any church that has ever pastored for any length of time knows that heartache. And, you know, I've come to realize that one of three things is going to happen when you preach God's Word. <clears throat> people, hopefully, will repent, myself included. We'll repent. That's the, ult I mean, that's the greatest thing that could happen, right? <clears throat> or we'll resent. That means we stay, but we go, bless God, I ain't listening to that joker up there, but I'm going to sit here and make everybody's life miserable while I'm here. He ain't doing right, but, you know, or they'll run. They'll run from the conviction of God's Word. Repent, resent, or run. That's typically the three choices that are made. <clears throat> and so, here, here's what I want to do. Let's, let's go from there, and let's go back to Romans. And in Romans chapter 7... Romans chapter 7, in Romans chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 4, 5, and 6. So, so Romans 7 verse 4 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be, listen, that you may be married to another. To him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Now let's just take that one verse and apply it to what we're talking about. And I'm not just picking and choosing verses, but because of time constraints, we can't just read entire chapters with all this stuff. And I'd encourage you to go back and, and not jot these chapters down, but, but read them. He says, you, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. So, okay, well there's the law, but I'm, I'm dead to the law that you may be married to another. The intent that God has for us is for us to not break the law. That the law is what teaches us that we're sinners, right? So that's, I mean, that's what's telling us that we're sinners. And he said, you've become dead to that. Why? Because now you're alive in Christ. Christ doesn't break the law. Am I right? Does Jesus Christ, is he a lawbreaker? Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that he is he's never sinned. He, he, he's, he's completely innocent of the law. That's why he came and died on the cross for us. So now we who are have died and been buried into his death, now we are raised to newness of life. And sin should not have dominion over our lives no more, as we read in Romans. Sin should not have dominion over our lives no more. Why? Because now we have been freed from the law. In other words, now we can make a choice. Now we can make a conscious decision. When, when we know now, we know that light and darkness. You know, a lot of people talk about the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder. I don't know about all that, but there is some truth to the fact that now... We have unrighteousness whispering in one's ear, righteousness pleading in our heart. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I don't know about you, but God whispers to my heart. 
or however he does it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Or there is permission that you're, you're right. But that's because now it's not what we did because we in the flesh have no power over the law. But now in Christ Jesus, now we, have, we are powerful because of grace. But should we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, the Bible says. But now we are alive. And l- l- let's listen just a little bit more. Romans 7, verse so 4. And then, uh, let's see, so we did to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who raised from the dead, who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We've been set free. If we are His... And I think this is a major uh, teaching point here, a talking point here, if we are His. Jesus never gave us the prescription for making excuses for people being sinful. He He never gave us the, oh, well, you know, they love Jesus but this is just where they're at right now. This is just what they do. That, that we are excusing these things. And I'm not saying you go beat people up. I'm not saying you go, you, you, you go throw them away and never, never, never minister to them because they got sin in their lives. And not, that is so, the, so far from what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we can't go, well, you know, that's just how he is. He's just hateful. But he loves Jesus. No, he don't. No. Why? Because if you love Jesus, you love God. If you love God, you keep his what? Commandments. Now, you can't take that and twist it. Okay, now let me ask you, I'm just asking. I want y'all to help me. Can you take that and twist it so that we can accommodate to make people happy? You can't. No, no matter how much you want to, your, our wants don't make this wrong. And this does not change. And when we go to changing it, we become guilty. You say, well, how, how did we love people then? We love people just like Christ loved them. You know, I have no problems with being friends with a homosexual. I don't. I love them. Why? Because Christ loved them so much to go to the cross and die for them. Just as he did this redneck, drunk, filthy, nasty person that I was. It's no different. And see, they don't want to play it. What they want to do is people want to play it up. It's like, oh, you just want to preach judgment and all this stuff. Uh-uh. This is not on my shoulders. And if you're a Christian, this book does not rest on your shoulders either. That way, because if I stumble, I'm not dropping my Bible, but if I stumble, and then this falls off, right? But that's not the picture. 
This is the picture. I'm standing on it. It's upholding me. It's keeping me stable. And if I stumble, it's what's going to catch me. And it's going to catch you too. Because we will stumble and we will fall. But the Bible says if you're his, you won't be utterly cast down. Why? Because though you walk through the waters and though they swell around you, you won't drown because they won't overtake you. And though you go through the fires, they won't burn you and destroy you. Why? Because he's the one that's insulating you. But see, so many people want to act like this. Oh, there's that preacher. He's just preaching condemnation. There's that Christian. They're all the time just pointing their fingers at somebody. No, 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 no. We're just delivering mail. That's all we're doing. We're trying to tell you, just as it says in our text that we'll be in again Sunday morning, Paul says, we preach this gospel trying to warn everybody before the judgment comes. That's why I say the words I say. Just a beggar trying to tell another beggar where to get bread from. And see, being a fan of Christ won't cut it. There are a lot of people that are fans of church life. Steve, you remember fan and follower. That's that probably one of the best, I think probably one of the best studies we've ever had here. There are a lot of people that are fans of gospel music. Right? They'll drive four hours right after work. To go, watch, to go hear gospel music, but they won't come listen to preaching and be an active part of a, of a church. Why? Because they're just a fan of the music. There are a lot of people who are fans of being active attendees at church, so they can check that off in their life. There are people who are fans of children program, children's programs. Nothing wrong with it. Thank God we got a good one. I want my, I tell you, preacher, I got to get my kids over there because I want my kids to be raised in church. While you go to hell? I mean, you want your kids to have God, but you don't need God yourself. I mean, I hear it. I, these are words that I hear. I got to get my kids, I want my kids to be raised in church because it helps them be a better person. No. No. That's so far from what the reality is. How we like going over there because they got coffee or whatever. It could be any, a fan of something. But see, a follower, what does Jesus say about a follower? Follower, he says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and come after me. That means wherever he leads... I'll go. Now, so, um, I was like, how did I get there? Romans chapter 6, again, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Chapter 6, am I telling you right? No, 7, verse 6. 7, verse 6. Yeah. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. No, okay. So now, 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to work our way back over uh, to 1 John. 1 Corinthians 11. should be right there at, at us. 1 Corinthians 11. And then I'll close by recapping with what I started with and, and making it around. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31. I love to hear them pages turn. I do. Thank the Lord. Um, and I'm, I'm nothing against doing it on the device by no means. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So I'm coming to the conclusion that you can't preach God's Word and it be a judgment-free zone. And it's not me judging. It's not you judging. It's Him judging. And He actually says, as a matter of fact, what you should do is you should actually judge yourself. That way, God won't judge you. Kind of makes sense, don't it? It's kind of like, why would you roll up at the inspection station knowing good and well that the wear bar on your tire is already touching the asphalt? Because you know what's going to happen, right? They're going to judge you. Amen? And they're going to tell you, you failed. Come back when you get this straight. Then what we got to go do? We got to go get some tires. Whereas if we would have got the tires to start with, knowing good and well they ain't going to pass us, right? Knowing good and well we, 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 we don't have what it takes to pass the test, and they're going to judge us. And, and don't hear me knocking on nobody. I'm just, it's just the reality of it. I, I want to buy a $250,000 house, and my credit score is 340. Guess what? Ain't going to happen. Why? Because they judged you unfit credit worthiness. Go to the grocery store, right? You go to the grocery store and you do something that is not in the scope of what you're supposed to go down the wrong aisle, I guess. I don't know, but you go to the grocery store, do wrong, guess what? They're going to get, they're going to judge you, you know? I don't want I don't want two percent milk, and I don't want one percent milk. I want one one and a half. So I'm gonna pour half of this one out, and half of this one out. I'm gonna pour it in here. I'm gonna make my own one and a half percent milk. No, why? Because there's rules. Everywhere in life, there's rules. There is nowhere where there is not judgment. I mean, honestly. If you think that there's a place where there's not judgment, please come and tell me. You say, oh, my, my, my grandma's house, she didn't judge us, she loved us. You just didn't act fool enough. Right? There's rules there. There was just some little more leniency there. But I promise you, if you'd have went into grandma's pantry and started pouring out flour and meal and, and take a hammer and start beating on the stove, you find out that that ain't no judgment-free zone. 
Yes, she loved you and all your stupidity when you, that you did outside of her house. Oh, come here, baby. I had one too. She didn't live with you. And you didn't live with her. Mama, mama whooped me. Oh, come here, baby. But if I did what I did in my mama's house over at my mama's house, I'd have gotten in trouble there too. It's all, I think, some of our perception, is it not? There are rules everywhere. There has to be rules. Why? Because we are fallen people. Don't have to have rules when you have no sin, but when you got sin, and that's what nobody wants to hear, that the things that we do that are outside of God's law, it is sin. That's why he says, if you love God, you follow his commandments, then you are his disciple indeed. And which means, adversely, if you don't do what he says do, you are not his disciple. It's pretty simple, is it not? I mean, I ain't trying to be sarcastic or nothing like that. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to teach it. I don't want to scream and holler and preach and make people go, oh, that preacher's up there screaming about, about the law. And about all. No. No, he's not. He says if you'll judge yourself, then God won't judge you. And, and we know, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest. How, how am I going to judge myself? <laughs> read the book. That's why he gave it to us. You know, we read the book, and he's like, oh, it's kind of, but I didn't do it in high school. I don't know about you. I'm the one that watched the movie to pass the test instead of reading the book. And I barely passed. So let's go back to, let's go to John on our, let's see, not on our way. Let's back up to John for just a moment because I want to hit this one real quick. And then, then like I say, then I want, I want to kind of, let's bring this around. John 14, verse 15. This is simple. Somebody read it for me. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's right. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a rule in and of itself, is it not? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. Judged you. Um, so, now let's go back to um, 1 John and, and, and bring this circle around. 1 John. Because there's some great things about, honestly, there's, there's some great things here. You say, well, man, what in the world do I do? Because I'm going to be guilty all the time. And there you go. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm there. It's just like what I was talking about Sunday. We want to go get $80,000 worth of student loan debt, and we sign a, a piece of paper that we're responsible to read that says that you have to pay this back. You can't get out of it. You must pay it back. But yet we want forgiveness of it because, well, we changed our major. We really just didn't know what we was doing. We should have done more homework. Right? Um, I, didn't, I, I just changed my mind. But you still, you still signed the line. You still did. And, and, and the same thing when it comes to, to this. We have to acknowledge the fact that we have sinned. And we have to do what God has prescripted for us to do. 
He's prescribed it he, right here in the text. Uh, John, 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess, well, let's just go back to verse 8 because that was kind of proves what I was uh, saying. And prescripted is probably not a word. It's, that's, I'm going to catch it. My, my grammar's working in my brain up here going, that wouldn't, right? He is prescribed. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, well, God's all this law and stuff, and he's, there's, you know, it's all this condemnation. Yeah, if you keep fighting against him and break the law, yes. But if we will confess our sins. But the natural man does not want to do that. Darkness does not like the light. That's why it, it, it hides from it. Why? Because if you come to the light, it reveals the deeds that are done in darkness. In other words, you turn the light on, you'll see what's in the room. And we don't want the light turned on in our, our lives, right? Because then it'll expose us. And see, God's not dealing with some 40-watt incandescent bulb. No, God has got a serious spotlight that does not cast shadows. It comes from every direction. That's why the Word of God is sharp and sharp. Uh, and powerful, sharper than any, let's see, the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul, spirit, joint, marrow, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Not just the thoughts. Where the thought come from? He shines a light to every crack and crevice in our lives when we expose it to this, when we're exposed to the truth. So, He, he exposes these things. We don't want that to happen unless we want to be right. And the only reason we want to be right is because He has freed us from the condemnation. And He says, you are therefore now not under condemnation no more. You're under grace. And grace says all you have to do is come and say, please forgive me. I've sinned. And He's faithful and He's just to forgive us. And if we're not under grace, guess what happens? We will be judged one day. As a matter of fact, uh, I thought I had it. Must not. The Bible says, and I'm trying to remember where it was now. That might be it. Let me let me let me hit something right quick here. Nope. What, are, what at the end, when we all die, this is what's going to judge us. At the end when we die, why? Because if you remember, and I, I'm trying, one thing I think God's leading me to try to do is to try to disciple us in some very core things so that we can get out here and do, do God's work and then continue, keep growing. But if you remember back, you remembered me telling you that this is the plumb bob. That Jesus has no agenda. Why? Because He is the, the, the datum point. He is the, where everything starts. This is what everything else is gauged off of. Right? And so one day all the other things are going to be judged by this. So 
if we're not in Christ, see that's what Christ paid, paid the price for. Everything that we have done to come against His Word, His nature, who He is, everything that we've done to offend God. Now, in Christ, we have a relationship. Would you agree? We are now married to Christ. We are in a covenant relationship with Him. Do you have rules in marriage? Give me some rules. Come on. What's that? Don't cheat on your spouse. You better believe it. That ought to be at the top, right? Do not cheat on your spouse. The toilet seat. <laughs> and that one ain't in the Bible, but I, I, I think, well, it is in the Bible because in Proverbs, and I can't remember where it is, it's better to sleep on a rooftop than live in a house with a contentious woman. It's in the Bible. Y'all can, can look it up. <laughs> I ain't digging my hole no deeper, so don't give me no more of those. <laughs> so, give me another rule. Be honest. Yeah, don't lie to her. That means you respect them, right? What about stealing from your spouse? I don't think that's a cool thing to do. You know what this reminds me of? Kind of sounds a lot like the Ten Commandments, don't it? Have no other gods before me. And other God, God says, don't cheat on me. And then he comes down out of the first four, he tells you how to have a relationship with him. Then he tells you in the next six to have a relationship with each other. And even in there, don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness and all this stuff. And, and our, our relationship in marriage has rules. You break the rules and you'll know it, right? One of the ways you're going to know it is the fact that you're going to feel a temperature change in the house, right? It's going, the temperature is going to change, especially for us guys. It's often said that we have our hands on the thermostat, and we can make it cold or we can make it hot right there with that thermostat, right? There are rules in marriage because it's a relationship. Christ has rules in our relationship with Him. And if we break that trust, we break that, that barrier, that, I say barrier, that we, we create a barrier because we broke that relationship trust. Then He, I want to, I'll just say it like this, there's something between us. There's, there's, there's a, the, the fellowship is broken. That's what we say biblically, that, the, that we are not in fellowship with Him no more. He treats us a little differently until we repent. Prodigal son, all, all over again. He comes to himself in the pig pen. And, and I, I, I said this recently. It's one of those things i got to document and, and some notes because you all know that's one of my favorite. I love that passage of Scripture. But, you know, the father ran off the porch to the son but he only started running when the son came out of the pig pen. He didn't run to the pig pen to go get the son. The son came to himself and he comes back. And then the father starts coming and running to him. Why? Because he repented. And the relationship, he didn't tell him to go plant 15 rows of corn and, and do all these other things. No, no, all he had to do was say one simple statement. Father, I have done wrong I did wrong. 
and I want to make it right. Dad says, you already have made it right. And I've said this before, but, you know, it's the same way with, with, with all of us, right? And sometimes it happens in, over the course of time, but regardless of how it happens, the important thing is that it happens, that relationships, because that's all you really want, right, is the relationship restored. You don't, we can't pay God back for what He did for us. There's no way. But He don't want us to. He's not looking for us to repay. Man, I got to earn this salvation. No, you don't. He bought the salvation. All you got to do is stay in the right relationship with Him. That's all He wants. And He empowers us to be able to do it. You don't have to stay in the right relationship to go to heaven because He's already paid the price. hate to break some people's heart to believe that you can lose it, but I couldn't earn it to begin with. But He wants me to be in a right relationship with Him. Why would He not? Why? Because ultimately that's what it's going to be like. And it brings glory to Him, right? Because nobody would be what we are as Christians, if we're Christians, nobody would be and do what we are and do unless God changed them. And God changes us so that He might receive glory through our lives. When we're out of fellowship with Him, I bl then, then, then we're not mirroring Him. We're not reflecting His glory. But when we are in right relationship with Him, we are. And I don't think anything brings more glory to God than when a sinner repents. That when we come to God and acknowledge, God, I'm sorry, I want to be back in a right relationship with you. So when it comes down to all that, I, there is no place on the face of this planet that there isn't there aren't rules and there isn't judgment. It's just, there's nowhere. So for all the people that want a church that does not have judgment in, in the church, the Bible actually teaches us that we are to, well, judgment begins where does the Bible say? At the house of God. That we are to hold each other accountable to these things. It's not that we're God, not holding you accountable to me. We're holding each other accountable to His Word. That's what God actually wants us to do. You know, so if, if I'm living an open, unrepentant, sinful lifestyle, you need to call me on that. If you're living an open, unrepentant, sinful lifestyle, we need to call you on that. In love come around you because it's not throw you away it's it's come around you and say look we want to take the word of god and we want to love you and we want to help you get restored and this is sometimes that happens sometimes people go i don't want to hear that mess or leave me alone y'all just go on away from me and you know what that means don't you at that point if they won't listen to counsel from the word of god they must not be saved and at that point you take them and you have to set them aside as unbelievers and you pray, God, while they're out, I pray that they get saved. But you, and, I, and I say put them out. I'm, I'm sometimes literally out. Sometimes you just have to give them over to the Spirit of God and say, God, you have to do this. They, they, they're either lost 
or they're so unrepentant, so, I hate to use the word backslidden, but so fallen back that they're not listening to you right now. God, would you work on them? You know, save them or either draw them back if they are saved, God. And so we have to work through those things. That's, what, that's the part of church life that rarely gets done. And the reason it rarely gets done is because it is nasty and hard and time-consuming. It is. And sometimes, you know, like I say, sometimes it's at a distance until it's time to come closer. But regardless, it happens. That's, that's what I want to get across to you is that it must take place for us to be the body of Christ. Uh, huh. Sometimes God purges. And that ain't, that's never fun. You know, but that's God's plan for us. So, rules or relationship? Relationships with rules is what it is. And that's every place in life. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life uh, God put him there, and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.